Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, how well do you see? Some of you perhaps have 20-20 vision, but others of us need help to see well. You may have glasses or contacts. You may maybe have had or you're waiting to have laser eye surgery or cataract surgery. And even all, all those things that are available to us now can't always solve our vision problems, can, can they? How well do you see physically? How well do you see Jesus, not physically, but spiritually? That's far more important. And the truth is that by nature, none of us sees Jesus well at all. The Bible tells us that all of us are spiritually blind by nature. We, we don't just need help. We need a miracle. We need God to open our eyes. And perhaps you are here this morning and you need your eyes opened to truly see Jesus for the very first time. Or perhaps you are here this morning and by the grace of God you can sing with John Newton, I once was blind, but now I see. And yet at times you have to confess that sometimes the struggles, the storms of life as as a Christian, they, even they can cloud your vision. Your vision of Jesus. And this is far worse than poor physical eyesight. Because when we don't see Jesus clearly, we, we doubt him instead of trust in him. When we don't see Jesus clearly, we fight against him instead of wholeheartedly worshipping and surrendering ourselves completely to him. When we don't see Jesus clearly, what happens is we keep him to ourselves. We don't just struggle with doubt and, and all of that, but we, we, we keep him to ourselves and we don't tell others about him. What is the solution? Well, we need Simeon's spiritual eyesight. What did Simeon see when he saw Jesus? Beautiful words, aren't they? Verse 30. Luke 2, verse 30. Mine eyes have seen Thy salvation. Simeon saw Jesus clearly. He saw and confessed him as the Lord's salvation. And beloved, this is what all of us need to see and confess that Jesus is the Lord's salvation. And so, as we come now to our last sermon in our Advent series, we've looked at the, the response of Elizabeth when Mary came and and visited her, and we looked at Mary's response after she heard Elizabeth, as she magnified the Lord. And then we looked at Zacharias, and how he blessed God for Christ and the salvation that Christ brings. And this morning, then, now we want to look at Simeon, and we want to look at this passage, Luke 2, verses 25 to 32, under the theme, confessing with Simeon, that Jesus is the Lord's salvation. We'll note three things from these verses. First of all, the absolute truth of this confession. And secondly, the appropriate response with this confession. And thirdly, the universal significance of this confession. Well, in verse 30, Simeon, as I mentioned, confesses that Jesus is the Lord's salvation, the salvation that comes from the Lord, the salvation that the Lord has, has, has 
prepared, that he has provided. But the question that might pop up in your minds that you might struggle with at times was, how do we know, is how do we know he's right? How can we be sure that Simeon was speaking the truth? How can we be sure that Jesus really is the Lord's salvation? And those are the questions we want to consider in our first point, the absolute truth of this confession. Let me just remind you again. I've said it several times, but let me remind you again that this this is something that Luke is really concerned to show. He is concerned that the reader of his gospel account, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, know, would know the certainty of those things in which he was instructed. And, and one of those things we could say even the most important thing to know and to be assured of is this. That the foundational thing is this, that Jesus is the Lord's salvation. That's what Simeon confessed as he held the baby Jesus in his arms. But how do we know Simeon was right? Well, the answer is really in verses 25 through 27. There are a couple of things here that show us the absolute truth of Simeon's confession, that show us that Jesus really is the Lord's salvation. The first one is this. Simeon's confession is a confession informed by, based on the word of God. Who was Simeon? In verse 25, Luke introduces him and he wants us to pay attention. He uses that word behold. That means, listen, pay attention to this. He's a man who's living in Jerusalem and he, we read that he was just and devout. In other words, he wasn't ignorant of God. He knew God. How did he know God? Through his word. God had revealed himself, you see, to Israel through his word, through the Old Testament, a word that revealed God as the God of salvation. And, and Simeon, he wasn't careless with that word. He believed it, he depended on it, and he applied it to his life. He was a godly man, the text says. He was careful, devout, he was careful to obey God's law in all of its details. Simeon didn't just have an outward religion, you see, but he loved and he feared God and he strove to obey Him. And not only that, what else was he doing? He was waiting expectantly for something. Verse 25 says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. What does consolation mean, children? It's a big word, but it really just means comfort. That's what he was, that's what he was waiting for. You see, as godly as Simeon was, his godliness, his obedience was not his comfort. He couldn't find comfort there because he saw sin within him still. And he saw sin around him in the world. And he, he saw suffering too because of sin and, and no doubt experienced suffering himself. Simeon, you see, needed comfort outside of himself. Isn't that something we all need? Can't find any comfort in, our, in ourselves. In ourselves, there's only sin. And around us, there's sin. And there's so much suffering in our lives and in the lives of others. We need comfort. And the wonderful thing is that God had revealed to Simeon in his word that he would bring comfort. He would bring consolation. A consolation of Israel that would come in the person of the Messiah. You see, Simeon's waiting 
for the consolation in Israel shows us that he was a man of the word. He had read and he knew the Old Testament prophecies of comfort that the Messiah would bring. Like the one in Isaiah 40 verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, says your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. He knew those prophecies, you see. And he longed for, he waited expectantly for the Messiah to come and to fulfill them. And just by the way, doesn't Simeon show us, maybe not so much by the way, but doesn't Simeon show us the importance of knowing the Bible? The importance of knowing, knowing, knowing the word of God. Imagine if he hadn't read the Bible if he hadn't read the Old Testament, if he hadn't read those promises of consolation, how could he have confessed when, when the Spirit brought him into the temple that Jesus was the Lord's salvation? The same is true for us. It's a great privilege, beloved, to have the Word of God. And we even have much more revelation than Simeon did. We don't just have the Old Testament promises and prophecies we have the New Testament, which tells us of their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. But the question is, are we reading it? We can't expect to see Jesus clearly for who he really is as the Lord's salvation if we're not reading the word of God. Let us be people. Let us be people of the book. So many people doubt, so many people don't believe and confess that Jesus is the Lord's salvation because they just don't read their Bibles. Young people, I ask you especially, do you read the Word of God? Here's the point. Simeon was was a godly man of faith who knew the scriptures. And that's what makes his testimony, his confession, that Jesus is the Lord's salvation so, so reliable. It, it, it's not just as if he, he came into the temple and he saw this baby and he was just overwhelmed with how, 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 how cute this baby was and, and those were just words that came out of his mouth. No, no, he was looking for this, you see. He knew that God had promised this. Sometimes people talk a lot about the Bible, but then you find out they hardly read it, or, or that if they do, it's more just an intellectual exercise. It doesn't really impact them, and so you don't put too much stock in what they have to say, but, but Simeon was not like that. Simeon was a man of the Word. His walk matched his talk, and so he's a man you see we should respect. He's a man we should stop and listen to. We should pay attention to his confession his confession that Jesus is the Lord's salvation is a biblically based, a biblically informed confession. And therefore, it's a confession we should believe and it's a confession we should make. But not only that, not only is it a biblically informed confession, but it's a spirit-confirmed confession. The end of verse 25 says that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, God the, the, the third person of the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit, was upon Simeon. He was upon Simeon. He wasn't just, didn't just come down now and then occasionally, but, but continually. What is that saying to us? 
It's saying that Simeon, he, he was like the Old Testament prophets whom God spoke to directly. In fact, one, one day, we don't know when or how the Holy Spirit did just that. He had given Simeon a special message from God. Verse 26, And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost. The, the word translated revealed, it doesn't show it in the English, but in the, in the Greek, it, it already says that's a divinely revealed message. And then Luke emphasizes that by adding that it was revealed by the Holy Spirit. Why, why does he do that? Why does Luke... By the inspiration of the Spirit, takes so much time to, to tell us this because he wants us to be assured that what Simeon's confession about the Lord Jesus Christ, what his, about, that his confession is true. Simeon didn't make this up. He didn't imagine it in his head. No, but God revealed it to him. And God cannot lie. And you see, what was God's message to Simeon? It was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death. Verse 26, before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Wow. What a promise. Here was a divine promise from God directly that Simeon would see the Lord's Christ, the anointed one, not just any anointed one, but the Lord's anointed one, the long-promised Messiah, the consolation, the comfort of God's people that he had been longing for. Death could not touch Simeon until the Spirit's promise was fulfilled. I don't know how he responded, but I can imagine a man who's waiting for the consolation of Israel. I can imagine him waking up every morning and going, Will it be today? Will it be today? Will I see the Lord's Christ today? We don't know how many days it was between the promise and the fulfillment, but one day that day came. God kept his promise. He fulfilled his promise to Simeon, verse 27, and he came by the Spirit into the temple. How did he come? By the Spirit. You see, you see, the, the, that's where the focus is here. Simeon is not even the main actor here. This is all God. This is, this is, if I may use the expression, and I mean it reverently, this is a God moment in, in the fullest sense of the words. And where does God lead him? Where does the Spirit lead him? He leads him to the temple, to the place of sacrifice, to the place where God had been pleased to dwell, to the place where he so often in the Old Testament had revealed himself, the place where he had been pleased to put his name, the place where he showed his glory with a glory cloud, and there, God revealed his Christ to Simeon. He revealed his Christ in a little baby, just over a month old. The consolation of Israel had come. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus, verse 27 says, to do for him after the custom of the law, then Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God. In that moment, as Jesus was fulfilling the law of the Lord already as a baby, Simeon, by the sovereign grace and power of the Lord, God saw Jesus. He saw him as the Lord's Christ, and he confessed him as the Lord's salvation. 
And that confession, here's the point, that confession was a spirit-confirmed confession. You see that? You see that? What does that tell us? It tells us that his confession is absolutely true. Jesus is indeed the Lord's salvation. But maybe you say, well, so what? How then should we respond to that? And that brings us to our second thought, the appropriate response with this confession. We see that in beginning already in verse 28. Then Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. That's Simeon's response with his confession. And, and, and what a response it is. You, did you notice how it begins? When Simeon saw Jesus as he came into the temple and he saw Joseph and Mary with, with, with their little baby there, what did he do? He didn't stay at a distance from him. No, he came and he received him joyfully. It, what a picture. Picture in your mind. There stands dear, careful Simeon tenderly bending his arms to receive Jesus into his arms. And, and look how carefully he holds him. Careful old Simeon. How carefully he holds the Lord's salvation. What a beautiful picture, is it not, of hearty, thankful, joyful faith. It's a picture of the kind of response we all should have. But notice, notice too how, how else he responds. Notice, for one thing, that Simeon responds with worship and submission. He blesses, he praises God. This is the salvation, you see, the Lord's salvation. The salvation that God has graciously, sovereignly, freely provided. And, and, and so he worships him and, and he submits to him. He holds nothing back. He, he bows, as it were, in total surrender and submission to the Lord. Because as he holds this little baby in his arms, he blesses God and he says in verse 29, Lord, now let us thou thy servant. It's not, a, it's not so much a prayer as a declaration. This is what the Lord is doing. Now thou art letting, now you are letting thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. You see his submission. He calls himself what does he call himself? A servant of the Lord. That's what he was, you see. He was bound to the word of God and he was bound by the spirit of God. The spirit had given him a most important promise that he would see the Lord's Christ. In a certain sense, you could even say it was Simeon's task. A task for which he needed the Lord. But, and that word for Lord here is, is, is different actually from the normal word for Lord in in, in the New Testament. It's a word that, that emphasizes God's absolute sovereign authority and power, especially in, in relation to his servants. And, and here's the point Simeon recognizes that, that it's, it's him, it's, it's this Lord by his absolute authority and power that has made this happen. The Lord himself has now granted what he commanded. His, his Christ is lying in Simeon's arms, all because of God. According to his word. 
Simeon's task is done. And so Simeon now, he, he, he responds by joyfully surrendering his whole life into the hands of the Lord. Do you see that? The Lord is letting him depart, he says. He's letting him die in peace according to his word. And notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, I, now I feel ready to depart. I feel ready to die. But he says, Lord, absolute ruler, master, now thou art letting thy servant <laughs> depart in peace. Isn't that an appropriate response? Isn't that an appropriate response? We've just talked for several weeks, and, and on Monday we talked about the Lord's gift of, of His Son, Jesus Christ, being born in Bethlehem. Well, what are we to do with Him? This is what we are to do. We are to embrace Him. We are to receive Him. We are to worship God for Him, and we are to surrender fully to God because of Him. It's not always so easy, though, is it? Even when we are Christians, we can struggle to feel ready to die. Or we can struggle with letting go of loved ones who are dying. Maybe someone here struggles with this. Maybe you struggle with, with a terminal illness. Maybe you struggle with feeling ready to die. You may look back on your life and you may have regrets about things that you cannot redo. You can have regrets about your shortcomings. Maybe by grace you've tried to be a faithful servant of God, but you're as you, as, you, as you look towards death, you, you're, you're, you're afraid that you've maybe failed him. But you see, when, when our faith is in Jesus Christ, when our faith is in Jesus Christ, and we don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to be afraid of death because Jesus is the Lord's salvation. And, and knowing that, that he is the Lord's salvation, you can live in full submission Confessing with David, my times, O oh God, are in your hands. And, and when God says it's time for you to, to depart and to die, that means that your work on earth for him is done, no matter how you or anyone else may feel about it. But the beautiful thing is, what, what, what Simeon says here, Lord, now let us, thou thy servant, not only depart, but depart in peace. You see, when Jesus is the Lord's salvation for you and your faith is in him, when you belong to him, then, and, then you, you can know that God is satisfied with you. And he's satisfied with your life. In spite of your sins, remaining sins, in spite of your shortcomings, he lets you depart in peace because you are his workmanship. You are created in Christ Jesus, in him. And God will never let his people die, his servants die, before he has finished the work that he has appointed to do in them and through them. But maybe you say, how can this be? How was it that God could let Simeon depart in peace? What about God's justice? What about God's righteousness? How can the Lord the holy, righteous God, let anyone depart and die in peace. Do you know why? Because the baby that Simeon held in his arms was the only servant of the Lord who would not be allowed to die in peace. 
until he had suffered the full wrath of God on the cross, until he had completely satisfied the justice of God for sinners like us, until he had obtained full salvation and eternal peace for all who believe on him, until he could say, it is finished. Simeon trusted and believed in this Jesus. And that's why God could let him depart in peace. You see, Simeon, he trusted in the Lord Jesus. That's what lay behind his worship. That's what lay behind his submission. When he says in verse 30, mine eyes have seen thy salvation, he's a, that's an expression of faith. You think about it. What did Simeon see physically? All he saw was this helpless little baby. But you see with his spiritual eyes, with the eyes of faith, faith that, that had been graciously worked by God's Spirit in his heart, he saw in this baby the Lord's salvation. He saw by faith the fulfillment of God's promises even before they were completely fulfilled. R.C. Sproul brings us out with, this, with these words, and I quote, he says, Do you see what is behind Simeon's song? Oh Lord, I don't have to watch this child grow up. I don't have to watch him talk with the doctors in the temple as a lad of 12 years old. I don't have to watch him multiply the fishes and the loaves to feed 5,000 people to be convinced. I don't have to watch him walk on the water or turn the water into wine. I don't have to be on the Mount of Transfiguration. I don't have to be an eyewitness of the resurrection or his ascension into heaven. I have seen all I need to see. End quote. You see, Simeon trusted in Jesus. What about you? What about me? When you consider Christ, what do you see? Do you see in him? Can you say with Simeon, mine eyes have seen the Lord's salvation? And do you cling to him? You see, it's not, it's not enough simply to know and to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Savior. The Bible is clear, congregation, that not everyone is saved. God doesn't let everyone depart in peace. To be saved, to depart, and to die in peace, you need to be like Simeon. You need to personally receive this Savior, spiritually, in a spiritual sense. In faith, putting your trust in Him. Are you? Or perhaps you think, well, Pastor, faith is a gift of God. I have to wait for sim I have to wait for I have to wait for faith. I have to wait like like Simeon. Oh yes, it's true, faith is a gift of God. But I don't read, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't read anywhere in the Bible a command to wait for faith. The commands in the Bible that call us to wait are commands 
to wait in faith. Even Simeon here, he wasn't waiting for faith. He was waiting for the Messiah in faith. And his task is done. His task is done. The consolation of Israel has come. The Lord's Christ has come. The Lord's salvation has come. So what do you have to wait for? What do you have to wait for? Are you waiting for a special promise from God? To, to, uh, 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 to, like Simeon, for the Spirit to come and to reveal some special message for you. He has given it in His Word. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Are you waiting maybe for some special permission to be saved? He has given it in His Word. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus is the Lord's salvation and the appropriate response is not to wait for faith. The appropriate response is to run to Christ. The appropriate response is to trust in Christ. The appropriate response, the response that the Bible calls us to over and over and over again in light of the coming of Christ is to repent of our sins and to believe the gospel. To rest in Jesus Christ alone for all our salvation. To receive Him as our Savior and Lord because God has sent Him to us. But you say, how do I know Jesus can be my Savior? Even Christians can sometimes struggle with this at times. How, how, how can I know that He can be my salvation? And that brings us to our third point, the universal significance of this confession. You look at what Simeon says in verses 30 to 32. He says, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. Notice here that Simeon didn't say, he didn't say, mine eyes have seen my salvation. You know, if Simeon had said that, then we could maybe think, well, okay, Jesus is a salvation for Simeon, for people like Simeon, for people who are, who are, who are godly, for people who are, who... but it's not. It's the Lord's salvation. And if it's the Lord's salvation, congregation, it's an all-powerful salvation. Simeon doesn't say the salvation is for him. He doesn't say this salvation is for strong believers or for assured believers or for people who have only sinned a little or for people who don't struggle with the sin that you might. But he simply says, my eyes have seen thy salvation. Can you not rest in that? Can you not take that back to the Lord? Perhaps even as a Christian, when you have fallen into sin and, and you're convicted and, and, and you're tempted to despair and discouragement, can you not take that back to the Lord and say, Lord, you say in your word, you say in your word here that, that Jesus is your salvation. Lord, you know I need salvation. I'm a mess of sin. You know how hopeless I feel. I need your salvation. Let Jesus. Let Jesus be 
your salvation also for me according to your word. And will the Lord answer such a prayer? Will the Lord answer such a prayer? Yes, yes, he will. Because Jesus is his salvation. And it's his salvation which he has prepared. See, Jesus is not an accident. And he's not, he's not, he's also not God's plan B. No, he's God's one and only plan of salvation. He's the one of whom the servant, the servant of whom, of the Lord, whom, whom the Lord speaks to in Isaiah 49 verse 6. 700 years before this, the Lord says to his servant there, it is a light or, or too small a thing that thou shouldst be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee a light for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Wow. That was spoken 700 years before Christ was born. You see, it's God's plan. Jesus was God's plan already then. And it was his plan from all eternity to send him as, as a salvation for sinner. And so Simeon's confession has universal significance. Universal. It's a salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of, what does it say, some people? A few people? Many people? No, all people. And, and, and people there is actually in the plural. So, so peoples. In other words, the Lord, you see, he wants all peoples to see the Lord's salvation in Jesus. There are no exceptions. This salvation, the Savior, is not just for Simeon to see. It's not just for the Jews to see. It's for the world to see. It's a light, he says, to lighten, to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Isn't that amazing? The Gentiles, by and large, Gentile nations around Israel did not know God. They lived in darkness. They, they didn't have the word of God like the Jews did. They knew nothing of God's promised salvation like Simeon. But Simeon says that Jesus will be a light to bring revelation to them, to drive away their darkness so that they might see Jesus as the Lord's salvation also for them. You know, do you realize how much that affects us? Most, if not all of us here, are Gentiles. We can tend to forget that. Especially when, uh, for most of us, probably our families uh, have been Christian for generations. Raised in the church. We forget, you see, it's so easy to forget that there was a time when our ancestors, our families, did not know God. They did not have a Bible. They did not have a church to go to. They did not know the salvation of the Lord. But then one day, the gospel was brought to them by someone or, or brought to, to, to some, either one person in our family or some people in our family. And their eyes were opened and they were turned from darkness to light. You, you see, th this, is, this is for us. How thankful we should be for the Lord's salvation revealed a light that is there to lighten the Gentiles and has lightened our families. And now maybe one or two or more generations later is still lightening, lightening us, bringing revelation to us. How thankful we should be that Jesus is the Lord's salvation. 
a light to lighten the Gentiles. But you know the purpose of this light is not just to see the salvation of God and to admire it from our pews. The purpose of it is that we might come to this light. Isaiah 60 verse 3 says, The Gentiles have come to thy light, Lord. You know, if, children, maybe you've sat outside in the summertime sometimes with a light. And what happens when you have a light in, in, the, in the dark at summertime? Well, you get all kinds of bugs that come to it. They're, they're attracted to, to the light. They don't leave it alone. And you see, that's really the purpose of, of Christ. It's that we wouldn't leave him alone. And that's what has happened really over the past 2,000 years, hasn't it? People from so many tribes and tongues and nations all over the world have been attracted to Christ. They have seen in Him the salvation from their sins, the light that, that can drive away their darkness, their hopelessness, their helplessness, and they have come to Him. They have come to the light of the world. What about, what about you? Have you come to this light for salvation? Or are you ignoring it? You come to church and you sit in your pew and you love your darkness. You stay in your darkness and you go out and you stumble around in your darkness. Why? Why? When the light is right here. Won't you come to the light? Won't you come to Jesus? He is a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. But he is also the glory of his people Israel. This little baby, remember, the Lord Jesus, he's, he's a Jewish baby. He is the one whom the Old Testament speaks of and points to. He is the fulfillment of all the covenant promises. He's the sign that God's Israel's God has not failed. He's the Messiah who has come for his people, Israel. It's beautiful, isn't it? What tenderness, the tenderness which, with which Israel has described my, my people, thy people. You think about how amazing that is. Luke wrote his account. Many of the Jews in Luke's day, they didn't think Jesus was their glory. They treated him as if he was their shame. Some of them had, had been involved directly in crucifying him. And yet through Simeon's testimony, Luke tenderly reveals Jesus. Jesus, even as the crucified one, for who he really is, their glory. The point is, congregation, that Simeon's confession has universal significance. And what does that mean for us? It means that Jesus, as the Lord's salvation, is freely offered to every single person here, from the youngest to the oldest. No one is excluded. Whatever your background, however deep your darkness, however much and however horribly you have sinned, and we all sin horribly at times. Every sin is really horrible, isn't it? But it doesn't matter however young, however old you are. Jesus is the Lord's salvation, which he has prepared, which he has made ready, and which, with, and which he offers to each one, even this morning in his word. 
He is the Lord's salvation. How foolish it would be to reject him. How good, how blessed it is to receive him. And when we are Christians, when we have received him, the universal significance of Simeon's confession means that we should keep fighting the good fight of faith. Amid all of our doubts, all of our temptations, all of our indwelling sin, all of the opposition out there, all of the persecution, all of the mockery of the world, we must keep our eyes on Jesus. He is the Lord's salvation, and He never has, and He never will fail us. And so keep trusting Him in the battles. And lastly, be encouraged. Be encouraged and motivated to call others to faith in him. You know, as wonderful as the Lord's salvation was for Simeon, he didn't hoard it, did he? He didn't hide it. He proclaimed its availability to all. And so should we, each, each of us in our own callings, and as a church together, the Lord's salvation from sin. Let's not keep that to ourselves. It's not just for us, for us here in church. It's for our children at home. It's for our neighbors and for our co-workers and for our employees. It's for the homeless people in Lethbridge, Fort McLeod, and the different communities that we live in. It's for people sitting in government. It's for First Nations and South Asians and Africans and Middle Easterners. It's for the people in Guatemala and the people in Ecuador and the people in Kenya and the people all over the world. It's for all nations and all peoples. So let's seek opportunities as the Church of Jesus Christ of the city that is set on a hill. Let's seek opportunities to tell them about Jesus. Let's pray for them when their hearts seem hard, when their conversations sometimes go nowhere. Let's pray for and participate in faith in gospel outreach. Let's work. Let's work to see churches planted. And let's pray that the Lord would raise up more laborers. We need them. The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Let's pray for the Lord of the harvest to send forth more laborers into his harvest, to send forth pastors and missionaries into the nations of the world and also to, to the Jews and, and pray for those who are there being a witness among them as well. Because you see, Jesus is the Lord's salvation. That was Simeon's confession. It's absolutely true whether we join him or not. He really is. But let it be then our confession. Let us, like Simeon, then, if we have seen him as the Lord's salvation, let us bless God and surrender to Christ in joyful faith and seek to tell others about him. And yes, like Joseph and Mary in verse 33, when they heard these things, they just marveled. They just marveled at the things that were spoken of him. It's not always so easy to see Jesus clearly, is it? Our sight of Jesus can get blurry. Our eyes can fail. The tears can cloud our eyes as we wait in faith for the fullness of the consolation. But then remember this. Remember Simeon's confession. Go back to it. Meditate on it. And remember too, that the Lord who kept his promise to Simeon has also promised that one day, 
we too will see the Lord's Christ. He will come again. And when we're in him by faith, we'll be brought into his new creation. And God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And then we will see Jesus clearly forever. I don't know if we'll sing Psalters in heaven. But if we do, I'm sure we'll sing the words of Psalter 262 like never before. He has wrought salvation. He has made it known. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Father in heaven, we give thanks that we are not just told about the birth of the Lord Jesus, but we're told what it means. We're told who he is. We're told what he's come to do. And we're told that he's a savior, not just for one, for two, but for all who look to him in faith. So, Lord, we pray that as we reflect on these, these truths, on this confession that Jesus is the Lord, thy salvation, Lord, that we would respond in worship, not just here in church, but as we go through our lives, as we go through our week, that we would be like Joseph and Mary, constantly marveling, just praising God, worshiping God for his gift, Jesus Christ that we would not keep it to ourselves, but that we would tell others, Lord, give us that zeal and love for the lost around us, and that we would tell others that we couldn't hold it back, but tell others about Christ. That he is a Savior who is prepared and made ready before them as well, <laughs> so that they might receive him. We pray, O oh God, that not one of us here would turn away from this light would sit, sit in darkness, remain in darkness when the light has been revealed to us, but that we would come to Jesus Christ and we would abide with him, that we would continue with him in the midst of our tri trials, in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our battles with ongoing and remaining sin in our lives. Oh God, help us. Keep us from despair. Keep us from the temptations of Satan. Keep us from giving in to our flesh. Help us to walk with you that we might be ready when you call us home, when you say it's our time to depart. We might be able to say you are letting our servant depart in peace. Praise be to God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us sing now Psalter 262, and we'll sing all the verses, 262, all the verses. <laughs>